Yo, 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 what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, DJ Hamilton, recording this at 6 10 p.m. Eastern on December, Tuesday, December 21st. We're about four days away from Christmas. Um, in this interview, I plan this episode, I plan on interviewing my good friend Jonathan Schick. Um, he's a golfer who really loves golf. He has a passion for golf, and his work ethic is insane, ladies and gentlemen. He literally practices 18 hours a day. And I want to get to hear his story. His story is very tragic. He's been through a lot in life. And he's only one year older than me, which is very crazy. So I think his story is going to be a big, big, um, great um, something for great addition to this podcast and something he can spew all his emotions and tell his story and what he's been through in his life because he's been through a lot. And it kind of made me emotional a little bit on what he's been through, what he's told me over the years. And we've been friends. I've known him since probably my junior year of high school or senior year around that time. So like 2017, around that time. So I've known him for like four or five years now. But in this interview, we're going to interview Jonathan Schick. And we're going to interview his very, very um, inspirational story. So hold on tight. Grab your snacks, plug your headphones in, and let's enjoy the interview. Ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yo, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's good, man? How much? How about you, fam? I'm good, man. How you feeling? You know, you know, probably 60%, but uh, we're getting there, so I can't complain, can't complain. Oh, man. I actually I... tested positive for the flu today, too, so it's been... Um... Damn, so you got COVID and the flu? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs> you know... Talk about a double whammy. <laughs> yeah, bro, Mother Nature said, you know what, fuck you, man. <laughs> Take everything. I'm dead, bro, and then Christmas tomorrow... Uh, bro, honestly, I'm not even that excited for Christmas, bro. <laughs> dude, it's it's not just me. I'm glad to hear that. Like, I don't know. Is I, it I don't just know. me just, or? Just not. There's, there's not. The snow is basically gone. It's no third day and then it's like all gone. I don't know. I'm just not really in the Christmas spirit this year. Well, and then like, was it me or? So I ordered gifts online this year, right? And mm-hmm. at first everything was like, yeah, you'll get it by Christmas. And then. Today, it was like, no, you're not going to get anything until, like, January 15th. And I was like, shit. Bro, I ordered my girlfriend's game from December 1st. It's still not here. I know it's from China, but, like, yo, it's been three weeks. Dude, it's, it's, it it ain't right. It ain't right. And it's supposed to come, like, either tomorrow, between tomorrow to the 27th. Oh, damn. Yeah, man. And I know her birthday's coming soon, the 19th of January, so I'm not going too crazy for Christmas. Okay, okay, okay. So you go crazy on the birthday then. I got you. Yeah, oh yeah. I but got yeah, you. Let's get into it, man. Let's do this. So, first question I always ask my guests when they come on is, uh, where were you born and raised? Yeah, so originally was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, mm-hmm. My brother and I both were actually, we're both adopted. So we're actual half-brothers. Um, we were both adopted from birth and, you know, three years after I was adopted, they called my parents again and were like, Hey, she had another kid. Do you guys want to adopt him too? My parents said yes. And we both ended up getting adopted by the same parents and grew up in Connecticut for the first 18 years of our lives. Oh, that's something. 
Um, so, yeah. so you were adopted and you told me you were raised in Ridgefield, Connecticut, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Born so how was that area place. like around there and how did being adopted affect you as a child when you were young? So my parents were both, you know, from like drug families and stuff like that. My, my birth parents. So when we got adopted, we got into a much better situation than we would have been had we not been adopted. So for us, I would say it did nothing but benefit us, but growing up in Ridgefield itself, it's going to sound like first world problems came with a much different set of sort of issues, I would say. So, you know, in Ridgefield, everything was super competitive. You know, everybody had to play four sports. Everybody had to, you know, make every honors class. They had to keep a 4.0 GPA. Like, it was just competitive mentally, physically, um, emotionally, spiritually. So, all those kind of things kind of built up to to kind of like my decisions I would make, I would say, later on in life that set me down the wrong path. Yeah. I can't imagine it being adopted, man, because, I mean, I kind of, like, you know, adopted is a whole different level, but um, I have a single mom, like, I never yep. really knew my biological dad, like, my, my older brother's dad, he's like my dad, he's known me since my little, since I was a little kid, like, he's yep. always cared about all of us, always treated us equally, never treated one favorite his two older sons, which are my two older brothers, so he always treated us equally and treated us the same way, with love and respect. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the same thing we've had, you know, it's never felt like we were adopted. Um, my brother and I actually didn't know we were adopted until we were like, probably 11 years old, we just never bothered to ask, you know, because we both kind of look like our parents. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, you wouldn't really know. And I remember in high school, like, my soccer teammates didn't know and I told them. And they they made like this pool, like betting pool, and we're like, taking money for like whether they thought I was actually adopted or not actually adopted. And then they asked my dad one day and that's crazy. Man. I think I think one kid lost like five hundred bucks. And oh my God. They, yeah. they, they, they bet that much money. I thought it was Oh like yeah, bro. They were putting big bets on it. Like big bets. Big bets. They were wild. They got money like that to just blow. <laughs> no, they didn't and that was the issue. Oh my God. What are they doing? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Wife. I don't know. I don't play with money like that. <laughs> that was nah, money. I mean, money can always come back, but still, that money is hard to get. Well, especially nowadays, too. Yeah, bro. Yo, stuff is so expensive nowadays. I can't believe your friend really did a bet on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. They didn't believe me. I was like, guys, I'm going to ask my dad, and he's going to tell you that I was adopted. And they were like, yeah, right, yeah, right. I was like, okay, you know, do what you will, but. Yeah, that's crazy. So so you had a rough upbringing being adopted since birth and your biological dad, he died of a heroin overdose the week before you were born and your brother's um, dad the week before due to a cocaine overdose. Correct. Um, and, and then to only make matters worse, um, you and your brother both shared the same mother who committed suicide, he told me, after having your half-brother. Um, that's really a lot to take in. How did you deal with all of that all these years? And does it make you sad or do you use it as motivation? Um, I try not to think about it really because I certainly think about the addiction part as, you know, we'll get later into that in the podcast. But um, 
as far as the other stuff, like the death and all that, I, I don't really think about that too much because I, I didn't really know them. You know what I mean? So for me, like, I know that sounds messed up, but it, it just, it never really affected me. I mean, for the first 11 years of my life, I didn't even know that you were the parents I live with now weren't my, my birth parents. So for me, it, it never really affected anything I did or the way I lived or, or kind of how, how it shaped me, I guess is a good way to put it. Like, how did you find out? Did your adoptive parents tell you or did you find out, like, on your own? Um, so they told us a little bit. You know, they told us they had drug issues and stuff like that. But they 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 never really specified that they had died. So I did a little research on my own and kind of figured that out. Um, you know, just calling the adoption agency sort of thing and being like, hey, you know, we're our birth parents are now and you know they were kind of like we regret to inform you that you know this this and that happened and so i was like oh okay you know that kind of sucks but you know like i said i didn't know them i didn't really know of them so for me it was it made it a lot easier you know to figure that out and hear that yeah i definitely think like if you were like a little bit older and you would have known what was going on, but you were a baby. You were just born, so you had no clue. Exactly. So exactly. Different. So let's try to get into some sports now, because this, yo, you, yo, you told me like you did every sport. Oh so yeah. You played so many sports growing up. Tell me and the audience about about it, because it's like a laundry list. You were a sharpshooter in basketball, a top yes. pitcher in baseball in Connecticut. You ran a 4.33 40-yard dash, a CT record at one point. And you were your team's kick returner in football. You were also a two-time All-State and Connecticut Keeper of the Year in soccer and so forth. Like, let's go sport by sport. First, let's start with football. What happened in football? Because it you know, oh, crazy. Yeah, so I was fast. Um, kind of figured that out in soccer. And you know, I didn't, I didn't like football really, but I always wanted to play it growing up. My parents always said no. So when I got to high school, I played for like half a season (laughs) and like, like literally just to see if like I did like it because I I literally wasn't allowed to play growing up. So because the dangers of it, like the concussions. Yeah. Well, my mom was like the uh, the overbearing, like want to hug you all the time kind of mom. Mm, And so. I did it for half a year. You know, I was a kick returner and punt returner. I I, I didn't really like it. I'm going to be honest. I got hit a few <laughs> times and was kind of like, yeah, I don't like getting hit. So, And, it, bro, those are big dudes coming at you fast. Yeah, you know, those, they were big no. dudes. And I was a scrawny little kid. So I was like, ah, this ain't really it. That's one you thing know? we have in common, bro. I'm skinny still, like skinny muscular now. But back then I was even more skinnier because I didn't have all the muscle yet. <laughs> like yeah. I was bones. <laughs> I would get yeah, cracked. dude. There, there were a couple hits. I remember one time, I got rocked. Like I was about to catch the ball and got hit at the same time. It, it took me a good two or three minutes to get up. I was like, I'm just gonna lay here. You know, look at the sky. That moment you decided, yep, football is not for me. <laughs> yep, and then I, I think I actually quit the next week. I'm pretty sure I quit the team the next week. So, I think that was it for me after that. 
So football definitely wasn't your sport. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I was pretty good kick returner if I'm not not going to front. But, yeah, yeah definitely but wasn't my sport. <laughs> so what about basketball? You say you were a sharp shooter like J.J. Redick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't jump. Um, I can't really dribble. <laughs> so I wasn't well, tall like enough. Like Kyle Corver. Yeah, I wasn't tall enough to get rebounds. And, you know, I could pass because, like, anybody can really pass. Um, but, like, not Wait, well. Like, I, I had zero court vision. You know, I could just throw the ball to the left of me. Um, <laughs> but I could shoot. Yo. So. Hey, hey, yo, just being able to shoot nowadays will get you a paycheck, man. Exactly, exactly. What? So I could always shoot and. It was weird, though. I never had, like, a consistent jumper form. Like, like I didn't, like, practice shooting or anything like that. I just – my depth perception was really good, I think. And I just enjoyed shooting the basketball. So, you know, like, I, I'd shoot a lot during practice and stuff like that. But, like, when I got home, I just played video games. Like, that was what I did when I went home. I didn't really practice sports. I didn't take anything too seriously until I started playing keeper in soccer. And – for basketball, yeah, I mean, I could shoot the three pretty well. Like, I was probably the best shooter on my team the one year I played in high school. What, what year was that? Your freshman year or sophomore? Oh, uh, yeah, my freshman year. I played on freshman the uh, the JV team. Yeah. How? What, what, describe your form. What was your form like? Was your elbow out? Did you shoot, like, over your head? Uh, so, I was actually kind of a low-release kind of guy. So, I, I shot low and quick. So, you know, I'd pull up from the hip. And I'd get it to about my chest, and then I'd just release. I mean, it was That's, like, ooh. it was. Was it like, was it hard to block, or was it easy to block? Because it was right. Oh no, there. I got the shit blocked out of me. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no! Like, because because when you you know when you get to the higher levels, of competition gets better. You get your release points right at your chest. That's easy swipe down. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and listen, I I either made the basket or I got blocked. <laughs> like there was no in between. Oh my God! What was your shooting percentage? Do you remember or no? Oh geez, no, not a clue, not a clue. If I had a ballpark, it probably like forty percent from three. Yeah, thirty-seven to forty percent. Yeah. Oh, that's solid. That's solid. That's not bad, bro. Yeah, no. So for a kid that didn't practice, you know, I yeah, I was pretty. Imagine if you did. If you did practice, you'd probably be shooting even better. I mean, maybe I don't know. That's you wouldn't have gotten blocked so many times. Well, yeah, you know, I would have had to done a whole redo like stuff and stuff like that, but yeah, I didn't so really how... want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So now let's get into baseball. You say you were a top pitcher in Connecticut. Yeah, so all of middle school and then early part of high school, I was good at baseball. Um, I was a closing pitcher and. Yeah, there wasn't really much more to my game than that. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't hit for shit. <laughs> um, I pictured only from, like, seventh grade on because I was, like, tired of just, like I, – I, I think trying to hit the ball actually scared me. I always thought I was going to get hit by the ball. Mm. So, I was a terrible hitter. Like, I never swung. Yeah. Like, I just watched the pitches go by me. Like, it was bad. Um, 
And so started. Were you were you like quick getting to the balls, getting people out, or no? What do you mean? Like when someone hit the ball, you were quick enough to like get the get them out. Were you able to get ground? Balls oh yeah, quickly? yeah, okay. not a problem at all. You know, That's but good. like physically, me being in the batter's box hitting couldn't do that. So I was like, all right, well, you're good at pitching. So like, you know, in seventh grade, I was like, Dad, I'm just gonna pitch, and he was like, okay, sure, like do whatever you want. That's he was like, I don't think that's really a good idea. And I was like, eh. <laughs> Wait, what team did he play on in uh, middle school? What, what middle school are you going to again? What's Ridgefield Middle School? Uh, Scott's Ridge Middle School. Scott Ridge Middle School. Well, yeah. What was the team called? Like, Scott Ridge what? Uh, no, so it wasn't our middle school team. We actually just had our town league and our travel oh, town league. league. Okay. Yep. Were you guys yep. good? Um, so our travel team, which I played for for two years, um, we made the all-star league a couple times, but the team that we lost to ended in the, uh, the all-star championships in like, what year was it? Like 2000 and I'm trying to remember when I was in middle school, bro. You're only a year older than me. So probably 2012. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. 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 That makes no, sense. Cause that's when Sandy hook happened. Yeah. So 2012, yeah. um, we lost to Fairfield, and they ended up winning the Little League World Series that year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, whoa. Yeah, so they now- had, like, three kids that have gotten drafted. Like, they, they were dirty. Like, they were different. That's Do you know those three kids' names or no? Oh, no clue, bro. No clue. Um, That's crazy. I but mean- they were dirty. Like, that – they they were like the kids that you know how there's that meme like I am twelve, yeah, yeah. They had like a bunch of those kids that like definitely weren't twelve. <laughs> they claimed, but they were, were 12. twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you know people be lying on their birth certificate, man. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. They be trying to dominate the young, younger competition and then go back to the regular grade. So they because then they had the offers. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that, I'm telling you, bro, when I'm growing up watching basketball, I'm like, yo, seven-footer in eighth grade? Then I found out they were classified like twice. So I'm like, yeah, nah. Bro, it's like Joel Embiid. Nah. Ain't no way, no way that man's like 26 years old. He's like 38. Who, Joel Embiid? Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro. He, he's the right age. Trust me. Yo, because the way he moves, you're saying? How he moves? Yeah, and how yeah. often he's hurt, bro. bro. He's like an old man. Bro, he used to be more athletic. I think all the injuries kind of made him, like, more low-grounded. Like, he doesn't – when he first came in the league, uh, when he was, like, even before he started playing NBA, he was doing between-the-legs dunks and warm-ups. He, he doesn't really have that bounce anymore. He, no, he's too he has no now. bounce, bro. He can't pass the paper test now. <laughs> bro, like, he has no bounce whatsoever now. Before, he was agile, doing between-the-legs dunks in high school. Well, I remember college. him at Kansas, too. He was disgusting. Yeah, like, that's when he had bounce. Then I feel like all the injuries have kind of – Made him gain weight and kind of he took away some of his athleticism. Nah, let's be real. His diet made him gain weight. Yeah, yeah, his diet. I don't know what he'd be eating, but hey, two Mickey hey. D's burgers before every game. That'll I, be. Mean, I mean, <laughs> you only live once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So, so soccer seemed like your favorite sport. You were two-time All-State and this Connecticut Keeper of the Year in soccer. So, how was soccer like? Cause it seemed like it was your favorite sport growing up. Yeah, uh, also not Connecticut Keeper of the Year, just my Conference Keeper of the Year. Of Conference It wasn't that good. wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish I was. I wish I was. Um, yeah, no, so I um, 
I really enjoyed soccer, actually. So soccer was fun because after I stopped playing baseball because of my arm, I couldn't really, like, throw anything anymore. So I was like, okay, like, I can use my feet, you know? And So soccer kind of opened that up. But I I wasn't great, like, in in the field, let's say, at, you know, dribbling through people and this and that. So... I was like, and I didn't want to play defense because, like, that was just boring. Like, yeah, definitely. You just run up and down the field and like take the ball from people. Like, I, yeah. I had, I had. You don't no, even get to like score or. Yeah, like there's no glory, or, yeah. in it. and like or block or block the oncoming off- offensive player. Like, no. Nah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of narcissistic. Like any goalkeeper will tell you, they're narcissistic. <laughs> they they yell at everybody on the field. Like that's your job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny! Like soccer, like what was, what were you guys like in soccer? Like, were you guys good? Were you like mid, or were you like? Bad? Um, so our high school team was pretty shit, to be honest. <laughs> um, oh my god! Well, no, so I should I shouldn't say that. So we were unlucky, is what I should say, because my freshman year, I played JV, but our varsity team. Should have won states that year. Oh. And, like, it shouldn't have even been close. You guys had a lot of talent on that team, right? Yeah, it was crazy talented. And, like, the keeper we had at the time, I think he ended up going D2. Um, Bunch of the kids on the team, three of them, I think, played D1. Um, A couple more played D3. So... It was a pretty stacked team, but we had, like, nine out of the starting 11 get hurt in, like, the first five weeks of the season. Damn. And two of them tore their ACLs, so they were just done for the year. We had a couple guys come back and then get concussions, so they missed, like, more time than they were supposed to. So it was just, like, it kind of fell apart that year. And then after that year, you know, the record of the team was terrible. So we were a private school, so we were able to recruit. And the recruiting just stunk after that. Like we couldn't we couldn't get all of those types of athletes back into the soccer program. And it was always frustrating. Because the girls' soccer program won states every year we were in high school. Wow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it wasn't fair. They weren't just good. They literally won states every single year. You know how hard that is to do to win states? (laughs) I don't think they've lost since I've been out of high school. Like, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think they've lost. And you've been out of high school now for, what, four years? Five years almost? Going on Five, I yeah, think. Cause, was cause yeah, because I'm, I'm going on four, and you're a year older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah so going on five, yeah. Damn, it's so almost a decade straight. Yeah, I mean, their coach, though, is, like, legit. He should be coaching at a D1 level. That's saying something. That is not it's, easy. It's kind of bullshit that he's still coaching high school soccer, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Maybe he just loves coaching the high school level, honestly. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, they named the field after him and everything, so I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, so soccer was a favorite sport. Did you say you played hockey too? Uh, I attempted to play hockey. Is more like it. You what? I, I more or less attempted to play hockey. Oh, it didn't go well. <laughs> oh, dude, it went horribly. <laughs> what happened? So I always kind of like liked the idea of playing hockey. Um, because you know all my friends did it, so I was like, oh, I want to do it too, you know. And so I was a good skater. Um, I couldn't skate backwards, which I didn't realize you needed to do a lot in hockey. Um, so I could skate forwards, but then I would have to completely turn around and go the other way. I don't know how to do that. And like the, the skating backwards thing never registered in my head. Like my, my ankles didn't do that thing that, you know, hockey players ankles do. So that didn't really work. Um, and I could shoot the puck, but I could not. I could not stick handle for shit, <laughs> bro. Every sport is hard in its own way, like no cap. I went to try. I think I went to tryouts for a day, and then I realized, like, yeah, you just can't do this, man. You can't cut this. <laughs> like, this nah. is the one sport you won't be able to play. Nah, hockey, you got to know how to ice skate, and then what's it called? And basketball, you got to know how to dribble. You got to know how to shoot, defend. You got to be in top shape. Football, you got to be able to take hits. You got to be willing to – you got to be tough. I know yeah. golf, we're going to get into golf later on. But golf is very hard as well. Soccer, unless you're the goalie, you can't use your hands at all unless you're taking it out of bounds. Like, yeah, I mean – Every, every sport's hard. Baseball, you got 90 miles per challenges coming at you. Some people say, like, certain sports are harder than others. I think it depends on what level you're playing at. Like, I've always said that. Because I think you can – anybody can play any sport, okay? Yeah. It's can you excel at any sport that you're in? And that's what the difference is, is, you know, like, I still think the hardest thing in the world to do is hit a round ball with a round bat in baseball. Like, I still think that's the hardest thing to do. And there's a lot of people that will tell you, like, Hitting a baseball is easy, and I'm like, I don't think so, you know. But if you want to tell me to throw a baseball, I could tell you that I think that's easy. Or if you want me to, you know, like I don't think dribbling a basketball is easy. A lot of people do, but I could shoot a basketball. You know what I mean? Like so. That's why in sports now it's like, okay. Like, we'll build a team around specialist roles instead of, you know, everybody's got to have all the skills, you know? So, but then at a certain point, I do think you need to get all the skills as well as specialize in something to truly excel in a sport rather than just play a sport. Yeah, that's what separates, like, the people, like, role players from, like, the stars and superstars because they have all the skills. They don't really have much weaknesses in their game. And I'm talking about for any sport. Exactly. Like you look at like LeBron, like obviously a superstar, but the man does literally everything in the game. I mean, there's not like as good as Steph Curry is, he's a specialist. Yeah. Greatest shooter we've ever seen. We'll ever see. Oh, 100%. But my point being is like, you know, like a guy like James Harden probably does more on the court than Steph Curry does. 
but because of Steph's ability to do one thing so well, it, it elevates him above a guy like Harden because Steph can kind of do everything else, just not as well as most people. But the one thing that he does amazing just elevates him so much higher than a lot of people. Yeah. That's why I honestly, because the way Steph plays the game, the way he's changed the game, there's a reason I have him in my top 15. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the list was amazing, by the way. I love that. Oh, yeah. Shout, shout out to shout out for you for that. No cap. You know, I worked so hard on that list, man. Dude, <laughs> that list was yo, fire. That list kept me up at night sometimes to play some guy over this guy. I'm like, yo, this is a headache. I'm like, yo, why am I <laughs> doing this? <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing this ever again. This is it. <laughs> oh, I only did it for the NBA because I truly have a passion for basketball. Yeah. Like for NFL, I like NFL, but I don't have I don't have the same passion for football like I do for basketball. No, I mean understandable. Everybody has their passion, you know. It's all where it lies. Oh yeah. So out of all those sports you played, you didn't do boxing, did you? No, God, no, 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 no. I would say, chill. Boxing is another different beast. (laughs) No, if you thought my mom wasn't gonna let me play football, bro, boxing was definitely. Bottom Those are of the two list. sports when you're a kid, your parents are definitely eerie of their kids doing that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how one gets into boxing like at a young age. Like, how does that yeah. happen? Yeah, I don't even know, bro. <clears throat> I think you gotta like look up on online like boxing coaches close around you and then sign up for tournaments. I have no clue. Training like, who stuff. willingly wants to get punched in the face for a living? I never like you gotta be. Like yeah, and like, like I've been told to that soccer stuff. goalies are psychotic, but like if you willingly step up to somebody and are like, "All right, we're gonna fight," not because we want to, but because we have to, and we're just gonna punch each other until one of us is bleeding, and see who wins. That that never made sense to me. I was just like, "No, thank you." Yeah, man, I, I don't know, man. And then you get you could get your ribs bruised too if you don't know how to block correctly. Like it's it's whole it's a whole different beast. Yeah, and there's people that have died in boxing matches. So like for me, I'm just like no offense. Yeah, it's scary, scary, man. Nobody died playing golf, okay? So yeah, that's true. <laughs> so of all those sports before golf came into your life, which one was your favorite? Um, I'd say baseball. It was my first love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I grew up playing baseball. Like, that was, like, I used to look forward to, like, Little League games and, you know, going to practice and going to the field with my dad and fielding ground balls and stuff. So, I I would say baseball. Definitely baseball. So, growing up, who were the athletes you grew up watching and who inspired you to be an athlete? It could be, Anybody from any sport? Name a few. Oh, easy. Easy. I've actually got him on my head covers in memorialization of him. Um, Kobe. Oh, God, that's just so, man. Definitely. That's definitely one of my idols, man. Forever. Not just in basketball, but in life. The work ethic. Wasn't even that, bro. It was – so I still remember. I was, I think, six years old. still remember like I was probably six years old and I used to so when I'd wake up in the morning 
I would run over to my dad's room and, you know, we'd watch TV together and it was a weekend and I remember it was Christmas day and you know how they do like the, the one o'clock games on Christmas day for the NBA. Yeah. So we were chilling in bed, watching it. And all of a sudden the cat, it was the first time I'd ever watched a, a, uh, an NBA game. First time. And my dad goes, you got to watch this. This is going to like, Define your generation, and I was like, "Huh?" Like I didn't are really. You, are, understand. Are, are you talking about that game? I know you're talking about. You talking about the eighty-one point game? Yeah, bro. Yep, yep, man. Yo, oh my god, never. We'll never see anything like that again, bro. So I remember watching, bro, and I just remember Kobe carving up the court, and my dad goes, "You see that guy?" And I go, "Yeah, who is that?" He goes. That's who you should want to be like. And like, since then, dude, that was it. That was like what I saw. And I was like, I want to be like him, you know, like I want to dominate at something one day like that. Yeah, bro. Kobe's work ethic was insane. Like it's different. Like it's a whole different animal. Well, like, I was always a feisty kid, too. So I remember, like, watching him on the court, like, you know, jawing at people and talking shit. And I loved it, dude. Like, I loved it. Man, the fact that he got 81 points and most of them were jumpers. (laughs) Oh, dude, it was crazy. I mean, I like, to this day, like, I watched the replays of that game, just, like, all 81 points he scored. It doesn't make sense. The only thing that I ever thought was more impressive than Kobe's 81 was when T-Mac scored, what was it, like 11 points in like eight seconds? Oh, 13 points, 33 seconds to beat the yeah. Spurs. Yeah. That was like, they had, it was like, that was the anniversary this, it was like December 9th. I think it was 17 years since then. Yeah, to me, that was crazy too. Bro, I don't know how that's possible on the highest level, a team allowed T-Mac to score 13 points in under a minute. And, like, it wasn't just, like, scoring. Like, they weren't, like, easy baskets. Like, they were, like... Tough, contested. Yeah, like... Spin away, fade off threes. And, like, it was crazy. It wasn't like it was just layups and stuff. Like, no, they had to earn those points. Yeah, those were earned buckets, bro. Like, T-Mac, greatest talent that never was. I'll put my word on that. Bro, and, bro... Kobe said T-Mac was the toughest player he ever had to guard. If Kobe's saying that, that is something. Oh, yeah, because he... Because Kobe don't just give credit like that. Like, you got to earn that. And now he might be spiting Jordan a little bit because Jordan didn't really like Kobe, I don't think, but... Yeah. No, no, Jordan loved Kobe. They were like brothers. He used to... Kobe... Kobe, Jordan said it at his memorial, Garrison, so... um, Kobe used to text him at night for advice throughout his career, and Jordan. Was yeah, no, that's facts. So I'm like, yo, like that's, I think when that's they played each other, though, they hated each other. Like I think it was different on the court. On the court, yeah. I, yo, I wish we could have seen number eight Kobe like in his prime in the 2000s versus Jordan in the 90s. We, oh, like in the 90s, no. he wasn't Kobe yet. I don't think he became Kobe until 2000. That's when he started like really dominating. That would have been that would have been the matchup for the ages. 
bro. That, that I would pay. I would go back in time, pay money just to see that. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I remember, like three years ago, we went and saw Giannis against LeBron at the Staples Center. Oh my gosh! We were out in LA, and my dad and I were like, you know what? Do you want to just go to the Lakers game tonight? Because we were staying at the hotel, like right at the Staples Center. So we just walked downstairs, and we got like. There, there were these box seats that nobody had claimed, and they were like, "Here, do you guys just want these?" That's what? Why would they just give those away? Well, they didn't like give them away. They were like hundred twenty bucks, but like they were originally valued at like a thousand dollars a seat. You know what I mean? So we were like, "Yeah, like why not?" So we went and we sat in this booth, and. Dude, I remember Giannis put up, like, this crazy triple-double. It was, like, he had, like, 23 points, like, 18 boards and, like, 16 assists. And LeBron put up a 50-piece. That's crazy. With, like, a triple-double, too. And they still had Lonzo. They had Brandon Ingram. They had... Oh, this this is 2018-19. Yeah, bro. Like this was Giannis's like his first know. MVP season. Yeah, first MVP season, right? <coughs> um Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. Bro, you got to watch two. Giannis, when it's all said and done, you're you arguably probably had the chance to watch two top ten players of all time playing at their best. I got bro. to see LeBron in person. NAD before COVID happened, the the year they won the championship at at the Garden against the Yeah, Knicks. I remember that. I remember that. Oh, I, I could all, at least even if I never get to see LeBron again, I could always say, "Yo, I got I to saw see LeBron, LeBron playing play. person." Yeah, the greatest player of our generation. I got to see him playing person. I, I, even though the photos is grainy because it was on my old iPhone, the 6S. I'm Who like, cares, Yo, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not deleting this. <laughs> No, keep those and hold those close. Yeah, man. Because, yo, that was before, that was even before Kobe died. It's been that long already. It's been almost two years now. That's crazy, bro. Time really flies. Like, I remember I was at that game. Like, I feel like it was just yesterday. I was playing golf when Kobe died. I came home and I was distraught, bro. Bro, I was at work that day. And then my brother texted me, yo, Kobe died. I said, what? I said, I said, no. My girlfriend told me too. And I was like, bro. And I started seeing on CNN, ABC. I'm like, Oh my god, this isn't fake. Because at first I heard it was on TMZ. So well, I was like, what? So when I go golfing, I like I obviously have my phone with me. You know what I mean? But I keep it in my bag because I don't like I don't really like to disassociate from what I'm doing. So you know, I was doing a practice round, and I was prepping for a tournament, and I get back in the car you know like I drive home and like the whole way home from the course like there's really nowhere that has phone signals so I was just like driving and I get home I pull in the driveway you know that I always do that thing where I sit in the car for like 15 minutes whenever I get home catch up on shit I miss while I was driving and I'm like on snapchat and I just see all these purple and gold hearts and it's like R.I.P. King, R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm like, who died? You know? And so I walk inside and my parents are like, Do you know? 
And I'm like, no, what? They're like, Kobe died. And I just, I'm like, what? Nah. So I go and I turn on the TV. Bro, I started bawling my eyes out. I cried for probably three hours. Yo, that's that's insane. Bro, I remember I was at work. I broke down at work in the house game something. <clears throat> I found out. I, I just bawled down. And then days after, it took me like, took me a few months to like really try to like heal from it. I was like, yo, I never felt person I never met meant so much to me. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it is. He touched the lives of people in ways that I don't like as much as I like LeBron, as much as I like Jordan, they don't, to me, I don't see that kind of outreach to people that he had. Like, Kobe was more of a larger-than-life figure. Like, LeBron, you know, he gets involved in politics and this and that. Jordan had his shoes. But Kobe did, like, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Kobe was involved in things you wouldn't have even known he was involved in. Like, he was making Emmy Award-winning movies and short films, you know, right before he died. Yeah, and he was going to do a lot more if his life didn't get shortened. Yeah. And, so much more. You know, he made the whole Mamba Academy for women's basketball. and He made the, the he made, he brought more attention to WNBA. Like. Exactly. Donated loads of money and financial resources to try to build that, you know. So I always respected him on a different level than most athletes. Like, he, he was as different. That's why... Like, when I was thinking my list, I was like, a lot of people don't – like, when you ask NBA players, a lot of them have Kobe in their top five. But when you ask the so-called media experts, they don't have Kobe. Some of them in their top ten. I'm like, bro, are you up high on something? Like, what? Yeah. I'm I'm like, no way Kobe is not top ten. Okay, if he's not in your top five, cool. But there's no I mean, way your, he's not Your comment section is going to blow up after I say this, but he he's my number one all the time. I don't have a problem with that, honestly. Just saying, but your comment section is going to blow up and be like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> nah, bro. I have no problem. If someone said Kobe's a great shooting guard of all time, I have no problem with that. He didn't have the big hands like MJ, and he and he probably wasn't as freakishly athletic as MJ, but he was more, like, skilled, I think. Like, he had better handles and a better outside shot. Well, his footwork, too, was yeah. unreal. Like, his footwork was impeccable. It would be like, like, to me, Kobe was like, if you gave him like Mello's footwork working on the working off the J, and then you put him in like Jordan's body, but like slightly less athletic with like LeBron's passing skill, like that's what Kobe was. Like that's crazy. Yeah, God rest his soul. His legacy will never be forgotten. No, I think I even think he's the greatest Laker ever. Even Magic Johnson said, "If Magic Johnson says it, then that's all I need." <laughs> hey, I mean, only player in sports history with two numbers retired. So think yeah. about that, people. He only had two Hall of Fame careers on number eight and number twenty-four. Yeah. So, how about that? <laughs> yeah. So shout out to him, man. God rest his soul. Yes, sir. So now let's get into thing. I want to get into the main main point. Um. So you told me when we were texting on how you struggled with coke addiction, you were selling, yes. your life with family and friends fell apart, and that you even got arrested and had to do like a month's worth of rehab. How, yeah. hard, how, hard, 
how hard was it for you knowing you were going down the wrong path? And what was your family's reaction when they found out? Um, so I didn't really know I was going down the wrong path, I guess is like the first part. So it, it all kind of started. I was dating my ex and, you know, up to that point, I was like, I was the clean kid. You know what I mean? Like I didn't do anything. I didn't want to smoke weed. Didn't want to do anything. Just, you know, straight edge cookie cutter kid and you know so one night she was like do you want to smoke weed and I was like "Uh, not really and she was like come on and I was like all right all right I'll try it and I really liked it Uh like in a way that I don't think people are really supposed to like it you know what I mean like I didn't like smoking weed I liked getting high and like there's a difference with that yeah. A lot of people like smoking weed. And, you know, part of that is because they get high. But I didn't care what it was. I just liked getting high. So, like, fast forward, like, three months after that, you know, I'm 16 years old. And I go to a party. And this was over in Danbury, Connecticut. So, one town over from us. And I go in the back room with my buddies and, you know, one of them pulls out this rock. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, this is Coke. I was like, oh, okay. So like, you want to do something? And I was like, sure. You know, I didn't really think anything of it. I just knew it was going to get me high. So I did it. You know, one line, one line. And, bro, like. It's going to sound cliche, but, like, when they say one line gets you hooked, they aren't bullshitting you. Like, if if it's the right drug for you, one hit, one line, one dose, one pill, whatever it is, you'll be hooked if it's the right drug for you. I don't care who you are, what you do. If it attacks your brain and gets your serotonin going the right way and your endorphins going, you'll be hooked. So, did that one line, and I thought I was, like, king of the world, bro. Like, I thought I could do anything, you know? I went out. I was, like, talking to girls. I was doing all this shit. And by the end of the night, I think I'd done, like, 15 lines of coke. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, it was a problem. And so... From there on out, I would do it pretty much every party I went to because I didn't have a job at the time, so I didn't have money to pay for Coke. So fast forward probably another six months later, I was selling weed by this time, and I was making good money selling weed. You know, I was doing pretty well. And, you know, at that point, I was able to start funding buying Coke. So I was doing it probably every other day for a while. Um, probably two months every other day. And then after those two months, I was like, well, why don't I start selling it so I could do it every day? So I won't get into details because like, I don't want to really incriminate myself or anything on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but you know, I was selling enough where I could do a lot and still make enough to pay the guy that I had to pay. And so I was doing that for a while and that's when shit started to get out of control. So one night, you know, my parents found my shit. Like my personal stuff, not the stuff I was selling. Cause if they would have found the stuff I was selling, I would have been in big trouble. Um, and you know, they kind of, they lost their shit rightfully. So, um, and, uh, yeah. So probably two weeks later, you know, shit between my parents and I, like, wasn't going well at this point. My brother and I weren't talking anymore. Like, I was a different person when I was doing coke. Like, I'd lost probably 40 pounds. Jesus. Um, I didn't talk to anybody. I was pretty irritable most of the time, you know, when I wasn't doing it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't me. And so we, um, my parents were, were on vacation, I think. I, I think they went for like, it was like around my mom's birthday and they had gone for the weekend. And so with my brother too, but they didn't want to bring me, you know, so I stayed home and I threw like this rager at my house. Like it was, it was a nice party. Like a lot of people came over and I remember afterward they came home like two days later. And when they came home, my mom and my brother gone out and my dad found more shit, more of my, my personal Coke. And he was like, that's it. You know, I'm bringing this to the police station, blah, 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 blah. I'm getting it tested. So, because he thought it was Coke the first time, but he didn't really know. You know, I didn't really say what it was. So, he brought it in, got it tested, I guess. And when he got back, he started, like, you know, screaming at me because I took all his alcohol because I was still in high school and, like, this and that. And he was pissed, so I didn't know what was going to happen once that got tested. So I decided to go upstairs and do a bunch of coke. So I did a ton of it. And by the way, I've never told anybody this, so the podcast is getting like a real deep dive here. Um, But so I came downstairs from my room and my dad was like, I think he was raking leaves in the front yard or something like that, doing something in the front yard in the garden. And I basically started getting off in his face and I see a cop car coming down the hill and I knew they were coming back with the test results. And because I was so warped at the time, I couldn't have gone to jail for it, but I thought I could have. So 
I decided, and I remember saying this to him, well, if they're going to arrest me, I might as well get my money's worth. And I proceeded to beat the shit out of my own father on my front lawn. And yeah, so they pulled up and they put me in handcuffs. My dad went to the hospital uh, with bruise. I gave him two black eyes, a laceration above his eye, um, bruised his jaw in multiple places, broke his nose slightly. So I felt pretty terrible afterward. Um, and so I got arrested. I had to call my ex-girlfriend to bail me out, which sucked. Um, how much was the bail? You remember or no? Uh, it was a $5,000 bail. Cause they were nice about it and they only gave me a misdemeanor. Oh, they could have been harsher, right? Yeah. Which I got really lucky. Yeah. Um, they didn't charge me for drug possession or anything like that, which was great. Um, I got charged with third degree assault, which is a class A misdemeanor because it was only my hands that I used. They couldn't give me a felony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then I got charged with criminal mischief because obviously like, I was causing mischief in a criminal sense. Um, So that sucked. And that was the second time over that time period that the police had been at the house. And literally, like, the first time my mom and I got in an argument and I shoved her. And, you know, I was high during that, too. And... Somebody called the cops. I can't even remember who. So after that first time, literally all I had to do was not get in trouble anymore. And everything would have been expunged. And so I got in trouble again. And they were like, okay, you got two choices. This is what happened when I went to court. They're like, you can either go to jail or you can go to rehab. Hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to jail. It's an easy choice. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I'll go to rehab. And so I went to rehab. I did, I believe it was 29 days in rehab. Yeah, you told me like 32 days around that month? Yeah, something like that. I think like not including intake and all of that, I think it was like 29. Well, what was that process like, the rehab process? Was it hard for you or? So, so intake is tough. Because when you first go in, you have like a three-day period where you're like, you're alone. Before you start like the whole rehab process. And so that's like literally just like detox. And that's the worst part because, you know, once you get past like the first three days really with like any given drug other than like if you're a serious alcoholic or if you're a heroin addict, it becomes pretty easy to like, you know, after three days, like get on with your life kind of thing. So 
But the first three days, like I was in cold sweats, you know, I was, uh, I had frequent headaches. I was super angry. There were times where I thought I might be suicidal. You know what I mean? Like my emotions were just all over the place. And so when I got done with detox and an intake, I went into this, uh, this unit with like, I want to say like 25 other guys from ages. It was kind of fucked up because they had 13 year olds with us too. So it was like ages 13 to 25 were in this unit. And so, you know, it like, they're some of the best friends I ever made. I, I don't talk to any of them, but like, cause I'm not really allowed to, but you know, I mean, some of the best people I've ever met were there during that time. Um, like we went through everything together, you know, like some of them lost family members while I was in there that they couldn't see because they were in rehab. You know, there were kids in there that had been there for two and a half, three years, you know? And so for, for everybody, it was, it was different, but you were all there for the same reasons. So everybody could kind of get along, but there were times, you know, when people like, like serious shit happened. Like, like one time we had a kid stab another kid, you know, because sometimes you had kids that just came in there because they were forced to go in there like I was, and they were just these like hardened criminals and they didn't want to be there. So they'd cause a lot of problems. And then those kids would get escorted out and would go to jail at that point. But, you know, like during my time there, like, a lot of crazy shit happened, but then like the best part of it was, was we got one hour of a uh, gym time a day. Like where we could just go to the gym. Some of the most lit pickup basketball games I've ever played in. <laughs> Kept you in shape, huh? Yeah. Well, and that was the cool part was like when you were there, like, bro, the first day, I remember I hadn't played like a sport in like probably a few months, you know, just cause of all the shit I was doing. And I remember how out of shape I was when I first got there. But then like, as you got healthier and were staying off of shit, you started to feel like more in shape. So like, that was kind of how you could like measure how you were doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, like I had to do a bunch of like cognitive therapy and like behavioral therapy and all this other shit. You know, it was like therapy, like five hours a day, something like that. And then, you know, you had to go to AA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous meetings, bunch of shit. And, you know, I learned a lot about myself during that time. I learned about like what I needed to do, what I needed to ask my family to do to help me. And so, you know, we're, we're in a good place now, but it took a long time. Like, like even after I got back, like shit wasn't really the same for a while. You know what I mean? Like it took a while. So yeah, I mean that, that was kind of that, you know, it was a tough part of my life, but I'm going on 
geez, when when was it? I think four or five years clean now. I don't even really keep track anymore. Um, That's good though. Four, five. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy with where I'm at, so I can't really complain. Um, I'm doing well, and my family's doing well. We're all happy, so that that's really all that matters. I'm happy for you. I'm happy to hear that, honestly, because that's something some families, they can never come back from. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason we were able to come back from it is they knew that deep down that wasn't really me that was doing all of that. It was the drugs. Exactly. Exactly. Like they knew who you were before the drugs. Exactly. So that's what I think people forget. Like, and I urge people, like if you're listening and you know, somebody who's an addict and they're not acting like themselves, it's because they're not themselves right now. Like people don't understand that when you're an addict, your, your receptors and your brain are completely turned off. So you lose sight of who you actually are and the way you actually think and the things you actually want to do in life. And it all comes down to when is my next fix? And people don't realize that, okay, just because you stop doesn't mean your receptors, you know, instantly turn back on. It takes a while. Like it took me probably like even after rehab, like six months half a year Jesus. before I really started to feel quote unquote normal again. And like normal is the wrong word to use. I would say like back to baseline, I think is the phrase they used to use. Um, and like once I got back there, like it was great, but you know, rehab also taught me that like some people can handle addiction in different ways. Like for me, I learned that like, cause like I'll admit, like I do smoke weed and I do drink. Like <laughs> I do. I, I just, I do. Um, I learned that getting high is not why you smoke weed or getting drunk is not why you drink. It's just a communal thing. Cocaine is not a communal thing. (laughs) Like when you're doing coke, you're normally in a dark room with like one other person and you're just sitting there spacing out and like raging. You know what I mean? Inside your head. Like if I'm like on the beach or something with some buddies and we're having a beer and we're smoking a J. I'm cool with that, bro. Fine. Every once in a while. Great. But if you put Coke in front of me again, number one, I'd have like no desire to do it. Like, I I don't know. Like you learned your lesson. Well, that and like, I can't even, so it's weird. I can't drink like caffeine anymore. Mm, So you don't drink soda. No, I mean like, like coffee like i I can't have like an espresso you know what i mean yeah so like if i do like i get that feeling of like my heartbeat going quicker and i actually get like an anxiety attack now because it brings me back to like oh wow you feel that way when you do this you know what i mean so like 
I start to get like anxious and I have to like sit down and like sit in a corner. Like it's bad. Like I can't. Yeah. So drug addiction is different. No joke. That's really wild, man. I'm just happy that you're clean, you're healthy, your family, you guys repaired the damage. And I'm just happy everything's better now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. No doubt, man. It's also because you went through a lot in high school, not just that, but while you were also in high school, you say your grandfather passed away in 2017, which is the same year yeah. his addiction happened. So yeah. how did that impact you knowing he was the one who got you into golf, which you now insanely love? And he told me it haunts you that you never got the chance to play with him on the golf course. Yeah, so I think I played with him, like, once when I was, like, eight years old. But, like, I was, like, eight. You know what I mean? And You weren't really into it yet. No, I, I hated golf when I was, like, eight years old. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so as far as, like, not really having ever played with him, I mean, he loved it so much. Like, he retired into a golf community in New Jersey. Um he passed away due to, I think it was complications from lung cancer that he'd had a while. Did he do ago. drugs too? Like he smoked and stuff? Uh, he, you know, he smoked cigarettes for a little bit while he was younger, but no, nah, my whole family was clean cut, so they didn't really do anything. Um, so for him, like golf was always like his thing, you know, and my dad's not a big golfer. My mom doesn't golf at all. My brother couldn't care less about golf. So I've always attributed like my love for golf from him because like my grandfather was like my best friend. I love my grandfather. I mean, you know, I was like the favorite grandchild, everything like that. You know what I mean? Like, so and, oh, I got a question. Did he pass away before your coke addiction or after? Uh, before. Before. Do you think that attributed to your coke addiction? Like, you Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Because you lost your best friend. That See, that I didn't know. I didn't know he passed away before your coke addiction. I mean, it was kind of like at the start of it. You know what I mean? Like, I dabbled with it a little bit. But then he passed away. And, like, it just took off. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I could, depression set in and you were like. Damn. Oh, yeah, I needed to pick me up. You know what I mean? And yes. I went to Coke instead of going to family, which is what I should have done. But yeah, no, I mean, that definitely contributed to a lot of the stuff that happened. Um, <clears throat> but as far as golf goes, I mean, yeah, so he was a good golfer. I mean, not great by any means, but he had this love for the game like nobody else like every time you go to his house golf channel was on you know what i mean and you weren't allowed to change the channel like it had to stay on golf channel like don't change that channel johnny yeah pretty much no like literally i'd be like can we put on like cartoon network he'd be like no fuck you like no golf (laughs) channel staying on you know and it'd be like all right so we grew up like watching the golf channel at his house, you know? So like, even though I didn't like it, like I knew, like everybody knew who Tiger was and who Phil was, you know what I mean? But like, I, I remember watching like Dustin Johnson win a couple of events at his house and like Patrick Cantlay when he came up. And so it was, 
it was cool to see like all these guys that I didn't know. And I started to learn more about the game. Now I didn't really retain any of what I was learning at first. So, you know, when I went to college in 2018 after rehab, um, my parent, I, I wasn't included in this decision. I just want to say that, but my parents decided to move to South Carolina with my brother and sell the house in Connecticut. So when they moved down here, I went to college for about a semester. I studied politics and I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. I hate this. I'm leaving. So I left about a week into my second semester and I moved down here with them. And, you know, for a little bit, I moved down here and then I moved back up north to Massachusetts where I ended up getting a golf job, actually. So I started by just washing golf carts. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where everybody in the golf industry starts. So I'm washing golf carts, you know, and I'm like, wow, everybody's really nice at the golf course. You know, nobody's upset when they're at the golf course. So you know, people would tip me, they treat me nicely. So I was like, man, if I'm going to be around a golf course a whole bunch, I should probably learn how to play. You know what I mean? So I I didn't end up learning how to play that summer. So after that summer, I moved to South Carolina full time. Um, My parents had a little apartment above the garage that they let me stay in. And that's where I am now actually. Um, and so after that, we, um, we've been renting properties down here for now while we're building our place. So when we moved out of our previous rental into this one, um, our neighbors were still getting our mail. Wow. So Amy Wilkins, who's my mom's best friend, uh, came over with the mail one day and they hadn't known each other at first. You know, this was the first time they met. So she comes over and when she came over, you know, she saw my golf clubs and stuff. And she goes, oh, like your son golfs. And my mom goes, "He, he kind of does. You know, he's trying to. And she's like, oh, well, my husband's a a golf coach. So that's how I met my golf coach, Bruce, Bruce Wilkins. Um, And he's a PGA Tour teaching coach. He teaches a bunch of guys on the PGA Tour. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought he was some, some random golf coach. You know what I mean? And so... He starts coaching me and, you know, we've been working together probably going on two years now, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, since COVID happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just about a little before COVID. So maybe two and a half years. Two and a half? Okay. Yep. Um, and dude, it's been great. I mean, I went, my first round I ever played was my... 
think it was my 20th birthday. You know, I'd had a few lessons before it. Went out and I shot like 97. I was thrilled. I broke 100. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after that, over the next year and a half, I got to like, I want to say like a six handicap. And then over the last year, I've I've gotten down to a plus two handicap. So which yes, is sir. which is really solid for that period of time. I mean, that's kind of unheard of as far as I know. I don't know anybody that's made a jump like that. Um, but it, it just really it all comes from like like Dude, I work hard every day. I mean, yeah, you were you told me eighteen hours a day. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, pretty much, you know, every day. <laughs> That's insane. Like every you day, all eat, day. You eat during that time, right? <laughs> What's that? You make sure you eat during that time, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because the other six hours, I know you're sleeping. <laughs> well, right, and so that's part of it, though. You know, is like part of my routine is. And like my daily workouts and stuff like that, part of it's eating right, like meal prep, you know what I mean? And um, like, listen, I, I'm not the dude with like six pack abs and stuff like that. Like there's guys on tour that have those and I want nothing to do with that. I enjoy the way food tastes. I'm not going to, uh, you know, eat grilled chicken and rice every day. That's not me. I'd like much rather my chicken parm sandwich, you know? Yeah. But, like, what people don't realize is, is, like, I don't eat, like, candy and shit like that. I don't eat ice cream. I don't eat, like, greasy pizza. You know, I don't eat hot dogs and, like, all this other shit. Like, eating too much of that will make you feel like crap. Exactly. Like, when I go out, bro, it's, like, fish. Like, I eat good fish. Mm-hmm. I fish eat, is good for you. You know, like low fat meats or like high quality, like burger meat that's low in fat. You know what I mean? So there's ways to eat healthy and be healthy without having to give up taste. Yeah, that's the hardest thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, no, right, right. And it's really hard to eat healthy and also have good taste in your food. Like it's not easy. You got to research and stuff. It's not, and it's expensive. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's time-consuming. You got to do research on, oh, my God, bro. You exactly. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So I actually paid somebody to do the research for me because I didn't want to do all of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> so serious out here. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I could do all of this, but this is going to take me months of research to figure out. So let me pay a personal trainer. Um just to make a meal plan for me. And I basically threw that meal plan out because he didn't do anything I asked him to do. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's yoga twice a day, um, two workouts a day. What's that? You have to be flexible to swing that golf so you don't mess with your back. Oh, listen. That would mess with your back over time. Exactly. And listen, you don't need to you don't need to be big to hit a golf ball far. That's the biggest misconception. Like people see Bryson and they're like, oh, that's what you need to look like to hit the ball far. 
there's guys on tour that hit the ball further than Bryson, but because they don't win a lot, don't get featured like Bryson does. Like if people watched Cameron Champ, he hits the ball an average of 342 yards off the tee. Bryson hits in an average of 323 yards off the tee. Bryson's about 200, and I want to say 40 pounds probably. Cameron Champ's 162 pounds. He's a twig. He's like 6'2". He's so flexible, though, and he squares that club up so well with so much speed because of his flexibility that that ball just launches. So you don't need to be big to hit the ball far. I mean, it's... If you have skill, accuracy, and flexibility, it can make up for it. Exactly. It's all about the hand-eye coordination. It's about using your body not only to get through the ball, but using it efficiently. Like, you can... You can swing as hard as you want to, but if your movement's not efficient, that ball's not going anywhere, and it's definitely not going straight. Yeah. Damn, that's wild. I did not know he was – he's my height 6'2". That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's different. You know, that's why golf's great because there's no one way to do it. It doesn't matter how big you are. You don't have to be the biggest to be elite. Exactly. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be the most athletic. Like – it's it's amazing in that aspect. Like anybody can play golf. Yeah, that that is true. That is definitely true. So you you say you picked up a golf first at eight years old, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was swinging a club and stuff like that. I wouldn't say really picked it up, but okay. Yeah. Then, so you started picking up first, picked up at like eight. So of all the sports you've done, how how would you say? And you said golf is the hardest. Why is that? I just think it's. Golf is one of those things. So, like, when I go and I play basketball, let's say, right? Yeah. Like, I can still shoot. Like, that's true. You know, and it, like, it's been six months since I last played basketball. I'm sure if I went to the court today, I could make six out of 10 from three. You know what I mean? Or five out of 10 from three. He's I'd like, I have to shoot it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get rusty, bro. And I don't, when I go, I can't go months and then be able to shoot well. Nah, see, I could do that. Nah, not like, from distance. Not from distance. See, I can't make like like I can't I can't do like reverse layups and shit after six months though. Like that's <laughs> where like yeah, that's where like I fall apart. And like, don't get me started on free throws. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, but like, so when I go back after being sick these past two weeks, right? When I go back and play golf again, I'm probably going to, like, struggle. Yeah. Like, golf is one of those things where if you don't do it every day, oh, my gosh. Like, you, you will never – Yeah, you will, you will never improve if you don't golf almost every day. That's crazy. Your timing's off. Your accuracy's off. And then your exactly, flexibility gets because... messed up over time. Exactly, because it's all muscle memory. And, like, when when your body is a certain weight and a certain height, that muscle memory is one thing. But then, like, 
like I've lost 15 pounds while I've been sick. So Jesus. my body weight and my timing are going to be different when I get back now. So, cause my body moves slower when I'm heavier. So I need to move quicker. So now when I go back, my body's going to be moving quicker. So I'm going to actually have to slow down a little bit in my move to try to get my swing back on the plane again. That is something. <laughs> oh my God. You're the first golfer I ever actually like talked to. So hearing all this is like new, new information to me. <laughs> yeah, no. So, and that's why like, I think golf's the hardest sport is because you like, while anybody can play it, there's no one way to teach it, obviously. So yeah, that's true. everybody's move is kind of unique. And you can somewhat model your move after somebody else. It's like everybody tries to model their move after Tiger. Yeah. The GOAT in my eyes. Oh, I mean, unquestionably. Like, he, he made golf, like, worthy of talking about. Before him, I wasn't really hearing about golf. Like, he made it, like, me. No, Tiger made, made the game what it is today. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, last week when him and Charlie Woods played in the PNC Championship, that the PNC Championship had just as many views as the Masters did. Wow. Two like, years ago, the PNC Championship didn't get any views at all. Like, it wasn't even televised. It's because one, one variable, Tiger Woods. And his son, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie, yep, his son. Who's ridiculous at golf, too, I might add. Like, Tiger was a phenom from a young age, because I remember reading the Jim Gray Goats book. He met Tiger. Jim Gray's one of the greatest sports announcers and casters ever. Yep. He met, he knew, he's known Tiger since he was a little kid, and he watched him grow into the greatest of all time in golf. He, he saw from a little kid how great Tiger was. He was a phenom, and he lived up to all of it. He's kind of like LeBron, in a sense. They were both young phenoms from a young age. Kobe Bryant, too. They had a lot of hype, and they exceeded it. Like yep. They made the sport bigger. And then you got a guy like Jordan who had no hype around him. and then <laughs> Yeah. Like, Jordan, just came, Jordan came out of nowhere. Like, nobody thought Jordan would be as great as he became. But Tiger, everybody saw it coming. They were like, yo, this kid got next. Yeah, Tiger was different. Tiger was different. And what made Tiger different was – so everybody used to swing – you know, for accuracy. So they'd swing sort of easy, you know, smooth tempo. And then this fucking kid named Tiger came along and was like, yeah, I'm just going to swing out of my shoes at every ball that I hit. (laughs) And I'm hitting that thing. So when Tiger came onto the tour, the average driving distance was like 260 yards. Today, the average driving distance on tour is about 275. And I know that 15-yard difference doesn't sound big, but that's just like the baseline average for like the non-long ball hitters. <clears throat> if you go and you look at the averages of guys that have won on tour, so when the rest of the guys were hitting at 260 when Tiger first came in, Tiger's average drive was 310. I I don't even know what to say. (laughs) The average driving distance for people that went on tour now is about 315 to 317. 
changed the game. Game changer, man. Yeah. Game so changer. it's just a huge difference. Thanks to the goat. Yeah. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. So so how did playing all those other sports while you were younger, how did they help with your golf game? Like what sports helped you? Um I mean, maybe soccer, just from a footwork standpoint. But if anything, I think more of the sports kind of hurt than helped. Because it's a totally different sport, golf. Yeah, because golf is, it's the way you're using your hips and stuff. And, and you know, the way your spine flexes and your shoulders move. And every other sport, you're moving so many parts separately to try to get a result right like like in basketball like when you're running you know like things are moving separately not together when you're shooting you know you've got one hand finishing you've got another hand getting ready to you know box somebody out so like there's a lot of different things going on in other sports but In golf, everything in your body has to be completely still, yet move at the same time, but it has to move all at the same time as well. Like, everything has to be together. And if it's not in cohesion, if one thing is off, your shot is going to be off. Like, it's, it's just different. It's not, like, I don't think there's another sport that can prep somebody to play golf. I think you just have to play golf. Yeah, I, I believe you. I I think that's true. <laughs> I know I know I ain't on the same level, but I tried mini golfing, bro. That's not easy. <laughs> Dude, you know what? Yeah. I got to say, so having putted on actual greens, whenever I go and play mini golf, I actually struggle more now than I used Cause to. Because you, you have a smaller, what, what's it called, putt? <laughs> no. So, like, it, it's more or less because – I I try to play, like, the break. You know what I mean? When I'm like, no, this is designed for five-year-olds. You're just supposed to smack it. <laughs> like, That's true. But it's, like, so ingrained in my head that, like, you got to, like... Like, I remember we went and played mini golf. Well, not we. I went and played mini golf with this girl on a date, like, four weeks ago. And we get up to the the first, like, you know, I guess you call it a hole. And I started to, like, squat down to, like, read the putt. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? You're on a date right now. Stop. <laughs> like, I had to tell myself, like, dude, this is mini golf. This isn't golf. <laughs> like, so, like, I was just start because I had a putter in my hand. So I was like, okay, routine time. And no, so it, it's – you get so built up into these routines and stuff that like when you go and you're just trying to have fun, it's really hard to have fun. Uh, that's obsessive. You have an obsession. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like my buddies, they, I love playing with them, love them to death when I play with them, but they're like, Hey man, like, why don't you have a bunch of beers or some shots with us? I'm like, guys, because if I don't play well, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, 
you guys can come out here, get drunk, and shoot 150 and be happy. If I do that, I'm going to break every club over my knee in my bag. Jeez. You know, like, I can't do that. Like, it's just not, like, for me, it's not mentally up there to be able to do that. I don't it's know what it is. Wired differently. I mean, I guess, but I think that's any golfer in my position. Like, I don't think it's just me. Like, I think it's hard for, I shouldn't say any golfer, but I think it's hard for a lot of professionals to go out there and and just have fun on the course. Like, I don't think that's easy. Yeah. Like, there's always some, because golf is the only sport where you compete truly against yourself. Like, there's no other opponent. That is true. Like, yeah, there's a scoreboard that you're stacking up against. But the only person you're really competing – because, like, when you're golfing in a group and like, one of my tournaments on my mini tours, like, the guy next to me might be, like, eight strokes behind me. So I'm not really playing against him. You know what I mean? Like, we're all at different spots on the leaderboard. Now, the only time that you're actually competing against somebody is on the final day of the tournament and the final group. If you're one of the two guys in that final group, you're then playing against each other because chances are he's, like, within one or two strokes of you, you know, and you guys are first and second on the leaderboard. That's just the way it is. So that's the only time where you're competing against somebody. But the rest of the time, it's just like mental warfare in your own head. Like, okay, what what do I do here? What do I have to do here? How do I get this ball, you know, off this uneven lie? Do I go for it? Do I lay up? So it's like all these things. Like golf is chess, and I would say a lot of the other sports are checkers. Heard that, everybody? He just got some bars. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely – I can definitely see that that uh, analogy right there so you mentioned golf it's amazing sport you love it how did it save your life tell me and tell me why yeah so I think it was sort of replacing one addiction with another like that sounds wrong in a sense I guess but um it's just one of those things where like I have this obsessive personality where when I love something, I can't put it down. You know what I mean? It's just how I am. I can't, like, like I, I, I don't know what wires me that way, but it's just how I am. And so I was always, like, looking for this, you know, like a passion of mine. Like, you know, even as just a hobby after I'd gotten out of rehab. And I didn't really have anything, you know. Like, the only thing I'd known for probably two years was getting high and doing drugs. So for me, when I got out, I had to find something. And for a while I didn't, I didn't find anything. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, okay, like you got to do something, man, with your time. Like you can't just sit on the couch and eat ice cream and watch movies all day. You know what I mean? You're going to get fat. Couch potato. Yeah, exactly. So that's the worst thing to be. Exactly. So, and I think it's great because, you know, 
I'd be lying if like I said I didn't get cravings every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, like there's days where like I'm having a bad day. I'm like, man, a line of coke would be great right now. And so, like for me, having golf is great because it takes me out of the house. You know, I'm getting fresh air. I'm walking or riding, depending on the day. You know what I mean? Um, and and it's got my mind so focused that I can't think about anything else. And I think that's what saved me is the fact that I found something that can steer my thoughts away from all the bad shit that might be happening in my life, all the stuff that I don't want to deal with or I don't want to hear, you know, and in some semblance now it's like, okay, like, great. I feel like I'm good again. You know what I mean? So like when I'm having a bad day, I just stay at the golf course longer. I hit more golf balls. I do more work, you know? So for me, I know I'm just distracting myself. Like, I. Yes, it's a distraction. And yes, I'll have to deal with those feelings at some point. But when I'm on the course, it's a way for me to calm myself. And then when I get back to those feelings, I can look at them in a more mature sense, in a more reasonable sense, and kind of deal with them properly. Yeah. That's like the same with me with basketball. Like, I don't know if any BS going on in the house or whatever, anybody, I'm just like, I just go to shoot to clear my mind. And sometimes when I'm, I dunk the ball, to like the anger out and it like really helps me decompress and like calm myself down. Yeah. That's what you got to do sometimes. Basketball has definitely been my best friend since I was five years old. It's helped me through so much of my life and I'll forever be grateful for it. Yeah, bro. And like, I remember you telling me the other day, like, or was it like a week ago or so when, you said you hadn't gone out and played in like six months, and then you went back to the gym that day and dunked. And like, you texted me afterward and were like, "Yo, that felt fucking amazing." Yeah. Like, yeah, bro. I, what's it called? Two. It was two months. I, bro, I went six months, bro. I don't think I'll be able to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I'm not kidding. Yo, like, I was still staying in the gym, staying in shape and stuff, but I didn't touch a ball for like two months. That's unusual for me because it's been it's mad cold out. I usually play outside. Okay. But I've been going to the indoor gym. Like, when the semester started to die down, like, near the end, like, Thanksgiving break, because I didn't have as much work, I started going to play inside more in the morning, get my exercise in early, and then I went to the weight room after. That's yeah. what I did, did both. So it felt good, like, to get shots up, get that touch back. I was like, yo, my mid-range game is butter. I have a good mid-range game. I, I'm there you go. He's like, a, he's like a mini DeMar DeRozan up in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really a three-point guy. I'm not, I'll, I'll admit that. I'm not really a three-point guy. I'm a mid-range guy and like, in the paint. That's my game. I bet. We got to play horse one day, bro. Just see oh, who yeah. can take it. Yeah, definitely one day, man. We got to play some horse. I, I don't mind playing horse. Horse helps you, like, it helps you, like, get your mind be, be, to be creative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Helps so, you practice that sky hook, too. Bro, I've been, bro, I've had a nice hook shot for a long time. I remember I did it in high school and middle school. We were like, yo, we can't stop this, like. Because nobody <laughs> and people my age can't really do it because nobody practices that in this new age. You we were like, oh, Kareem, forget Kareem. Nah, Kareem is in my top three all times. That oh, yeah. the reason I, it's the reason he's an all time scoring leader for how many years now? It's been over 25 Man, years. Bro, there's a reason there's like Kareem's up there is because he's the only guy in basketball history that had one move 
you knew he was going to do it. You knew when he was going to do it. You knew how he was going to do it. And you still couldn't fucking stop it. Nope. And he could do it from 15 feet out, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, or 20 if you like, wanted they to. They literally have, like, if you don't believe it, go watch the film. They have it on video. He literally did it from the mid-range area. Oh, I know. It's jumpers. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, bro, he was different. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, he, the strength to do that in that type of form from that far? Well, and then the touch to, like, know, yeah. like, because, like, the thing is with, like, a hook shot, like, anybody can, like, throw it up there. But it's, like, how do you judge, like, how how far you got to, like, go back with how much power? You know, I couldn't do that. No way. Never. So, you play golf. What tournaments have you been in since you started? And what is the day-to-day grind like? Yeah, so... 18 hours, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sucks sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I have I have no dating life. <laughs> um, so I play on two tours. One of them is more for fun. There's still cash payouts and stuff, but it's with a bunch of guys that I love, and they're, like, good friends of mine and stuff. So that's called the bag tour. Um, and that's a match play tour. So – Everything we do on that tour is versus. So you actually have an opponent you're playing against and this and that. You know, they do team events, which are great. So we have a few of those every couple months, and they're real fun. You know, I love going and playing in them. And then there's the money tour that I'm on, like the actual professional tour, and that's called the Gator Golf Tour. Mm-hmm. And so that tour, so we just had an event on the 16th, which I unfortunately was not able to attend because I was sick. Um, But so that tour, they've got guys that have played on the PGA tour playing there. They've got guys that are trying to make it on the PGA tour. They have professional golfers that want nothing to do with the PGA tour, you know, and they just, play on the weekend is like a second job. So it's what we call a mini tour. So there's the mini tours and then there's the corn fairy tour, which is, which you have to test into, which is like the minor leagues for the PGA tour, which is where I'm trying to get to right now is the corn fairy. And then there's the PGA tour, which we all know is best golfers in the world. Yeah. Best think it's like 300 golfers are on the tour right now so that's the eventual goal but that is at this point looking super unattainable but you know keep hey man don't don't ever say that man just keep no 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 see i have to say that because i have to keep myself honest and keep myself working oh you try to keep perspective okay yeah yep so but don't stop grinding man you never oh never sir never at all um, but then as far as like the day-to-day grind goes, so, um, do you want to know like day-to-day grind of like a tournament week or just, you could do like, you could do both first do like the tournament week. Okay. So yeah. So tournament week. Um, so I don't bring a caddy to my tournament. I just push cart, okay. you know, it's easy enough. I don't have to pay anybody either which is nice. Yeah. 
I, I did have a caddy for a little bit and it was costing me a lot of money that I didn't have at the time. Um, and, and he's my buddy. So he was still in school too. So to have him traveling was like tough. So we just decided, okay, you know, like I can do this on my own until like I get to the corn fairy tour and then I really need you. Because the only thing he's really doing is he's carrying my bag and he's reading the occasional putt for me. Oh, like, nice. I know my yardages. I know, like, I can read a green reading book just as well as he can. You know, so it, it doesn't really make a difference in that sense. So, tournament week, let's say, like, the tournament's on. They typically start on Friday. So, you know, Monday... I'm probably getting in a last round at my course, maybe a range session or working with my coach. Um, then Tuesday, travel day. You know, I drive everywhere. So sometimes it'll take me a day, day and a half to get somewhere, you know. So Tuesday, probably partially Wednesday or travel days. Wednesday afternoon, I'm at the course doing a walkthrough. I walk the course. So I walk out there with a notebook. I write down, okay, this is the tee box that we're going to be playing. I want to hit it to this yardage. From this yardage in, this is the club we're going to hit. Stock. Or if it's into the wind, we'll hit this. You know, and I go back to my hotel room after I walk the course. And I study that book because I can't bring that book out on the course with me. So I study it. So then Thursday, you know, breakfast in the morning, quick workout. Then I'm going and I'm playing a practice round. And going to the range, you know, working on putting, just squaring everything away. And then Friday comes that's tournament day. So I'm waking up early, no workout, two hours of yoga before I go out. Um, you know, maybe a little, little decaf coffee just to, you know, get something nice and hot. Cause it's pretty cold in most of the places we're playing right now. Uh, <laughs> so getting that little decaf coffee in and then go, I normally try to get to the range about an hour and a half before my tea time. So, you know, that way at least I can get, you know, some chipping done, some putting done, and then go through and hit about 10 to 15 shots with each club in the bag. Okay. That's good. Get that good warm-up in. Exactly, exactly. And then I stretch after I hit balls. I don't stretch beforehand. Okay. Um, Because that's what the yoga is for in the morning is like a stretch. Um. And then it's tournament day. So for the next two days, typically, they're typically two-day tournaments. We've had one three-day tournament this year, which was, which kind of sucked. Um, and, yeah, so then, you know, you're just hoping to uh, – so first day of the tournament is what they call cut day. So you have to shoot a certain score to meet the cut line. And if you don't meet the cut line – you go home. You don't get to play the second day. 
So you've got to shoot a certain score to make it into the second day. And the score you have to shoot is determined by the leaders. So it's like, I think it's, you have to be within, it's normally like eight to 10 strokes of the leader. So if the leader shoots 10 under, you have to be even par is the cutoff in the first round. So, you know, I've had tournaments where I've driven eight hours, stayed all week, spent a bunch of money and then shit the bed and have gone home after four hours of golf. Mm. And then there's tournaments where I've gone out and I've played well, I've made the cut and, you know, I finished top, whatever, you know? So it's, it's really just dependent upon week to week. And, and a big part of what I do is I'm not a long hitter. Like I don't, I, I can't match up with these guys that hit it like 320 yards. You know, that's not my game. I, I'm more accuracy-based, keeping it in play, control, and I'm a good putter. So I won't play a course. Like if there's an event at a course that's like, let's say 7,500 yards, I won't play in that event because I know I can't win. And I know I probably won't make the cut. So that's the other thing about golf is you got to be super selective about which events you decide to play in. Play to your strengths. Exactly. Exactly. And like, that's what's different about golf. Cause like if it were up to the Lakers, they wouldn't play the Warriors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but like, unfortunately, in basketball, you don't get to choose who you play against. No. Um, like golf and uh, boxing, those are like two sports you get to choose who you exactly. go up against because they're individual sports. Exactly. Exactly. So, and like, that's one of the beauties of it. You know what I mean? Is like, you watch some of these guys on tour. Like, yeah, there's a lot of guys that win a lot on tour, but it's not because they're like the best golfer, it's because they choose the right courses. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's such a big part of it too. And I think it's neglected when people talk about it. Um but then like non-tournament week, so if I'm just going day to day, I'll be honest, I'm a lazy sack of shit sometimes and sometimes I decide to take a day off. Um nothing wrong with taking a day off once in a while, man. No, no, no. And listen, I don't go But we all day. need a break of at some point. Right. I mean, so typically I go five to six days a week on and, you know, one to two days off a week, depending on the week. Um, So typical week for me, um, well, typical day. So wake up early, eat breakfast. I always eat before I do anything. I, I can't function until I eat. It's just how I am. I need that glass of OJ in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. OJ hits different. Bro, it really does. It really does. Especially with them eggs, bacon. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. It's a bacon, egg, and cheese with hash brown and chicken cutlet on it every morning. <laughs> Yo, we sound fat right now. 
<laughs> yep, a little bit of hot sauce on there. You oh, know yes, what I'm saying? Oh. I usually put ketchup. I guess you're a hot sauce guy. Yeah, I, I don't I actually don't eat ketchup, believe it okay. or not. Yeah, okay. bro. I'm a barbecue sauce guy. Oh me, bro, me too. Oh, me too, bro. Me bro, too. barbecue sauce on everything for me, bro. I, I'll choose barbecue sauce with my burgers, air fries, over ketchup any day. Yep. Ketchup is like a last resort if there's no barbecue sauce. Okay, I got you. I got yeah. you. Yeah. See, I'll, I'll, I'll go too. steak sauce before I go ketchup. Steak sauce? Yeah. yeah you had steak, yeah, sauce steak sauce on fries? Man, that's crazy. <laughs> nah, bro, try it. Seriously. It's like putting vinegar on fries. It tastes delicious. Steak sauce sounds delicious. I ain't gonna lie. Like, so you, so you told me you guys have some. You guys be lit after practices and tournaments. Uh, what did it be? What did it be like? Oh, oh, like at the bar and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the people want to hear. Okay, so part of being a professional golfer is you have to be a professional drinker. <laughs> so, also, people drink responsibly. Don't do any of what i'm about to say um <laughs> so sounds like a sponsor <laughs> yeah yeah um so basically what happens is you know like all right so i'll just tell you what happened like last tournament i played in so last tournament i played in was up near unc um at their college course and you know, like, we all played pretty well. We walked out with a little bit of cash, and we were like, all right, you guys want to bet our winnings today? And all the guys in the group are like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, we've been sitting at the bar at the course for probably, like, two hours. We all Uber to the course, by the way, people, because we know this is going to happen. Yeah. Um so we're all pretty shit faced by this point. We probably each had like eight or nine shots of tequila. Jesus. Couple beers. And we play this game called Captain's Choice. So Captain's Choice is 3v3. Everybody plays, you know, so like each person hits and then you pick the best shot. And then you hit three balls from their shot. And then you pick the next best shot. And then you putt three from that shot. So it's basically like best ball. Okay, so. But the way we do it is. So the three people on one team and the three people on the other team. Um, they, they all like bet against each other. So what we do is. We do $350 a hole rolling bets. So each person in our group is betting $350. It's not $350 for the team because you're betting one-on-one with somebody on the other team just as like a way to make it easier to pay each other. Um, So what happens is we're out there and – you know, we we ended the tournament probably around two o'clock, two thirty. My goodness! <laughs> and having fun out there. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the tournament ended about two thirty, and then I think sunset was at like six thirty. So we went out, and you know, by the time we got done at the bar, I think it was like probably five. So we went back out on the course around five fifteen. And so we knew we only had like an hour and 15 minutes to do this. Bro, we stayed out there two and a half hours. We were golfing in the dark with like headlamps on. Wow. And so we're like playing and because we felt we like we fell behind big at first. So. And because the cash is rolling, it's still 350 every hole. So you can make back that cash. Because if you and the other team keep tying holes, the cash just keeps building up for the next hole. So it got to be one point. I think one of the holes, we tied like nine holes in a row. So it was worth like close to i think like six grand for the hole wow that's and i think we were down like i want to say like thirty two hundred dollars jesus and my buddy sticks it to like a foot and it's like Getting close to seven o'clock at this point, the cart guy and the course have no idea where we are because we took carts because we didn't want to walk. And you know, they're like calling our phone and stuff, and we're not picking up. And the other guy sticks it to like on the other team, sticks it to like four feet. So we have a tap in, so we're in, and this is the last hole we get to play. Because the cart guy has now come out to the green and is yelling at us. And other team puts it, lips out, and we make all our money back and win an extra three grand. <laughs> <laughs> what? And we started going nuts, bro. Like, you know, we're drunk as shit. We're like falling over on each other. Like, it, it was bad. Like, that was some real degeneracy that night. And then after that, as if we weren't drunk enough, we went to this bar called Del Sur, which was like a Mexican bar. Del Sur. And we start taking more tequila shots. And, you know, we see these two guys out in the parking lot, and they're, like, causing a bunch of trouble and shit. And they started fighting, so the cops get called on them. And so we just go inside. We're like, we want nothing to do with this. We're all far too shit-faced to be doing anything about this. So we go inside. We start, you know, just drinking again. And they bring out a karaoke machine. That was the problem. They brought out a karaoke machine. So now you've got like eight dudes who are all shit faced singing karaoke country music together at the bar. 
definitely we sounded terrible for sure. We thought we sounded amazing. <laughs> That's the drunk ass. <laughs> oh my god. I can't imagine. And yeah, dude, I mean, but you know, there's a lot of stories I could tell, but that was probably the most recent one and that's pretty much after every tournament <laughs> like yes. cuz you're just happy that the week's over you want to relax you want to just have fun cuz the week beforehand is so serious that it's like all right like let's let's let loose a little bit you know yeah i can feel that man i mean a little bit's an understatement but yeah <laughs> definitely an understatement <laughs> yeah so let's get into the quick hitters now like i always do with all my guests all right what do you like to do during your free time fishing fishing oh fishing. that's oh that's a good one big you, fisherman since when have you been fishing oh bro since i could hold a fishing pole i mean i just love fishing that's what's up what's the biggest fish you ever caught uh oh we caught a six foot blue marlin one time that was really fucking cool did, what did it taste good or did you let it go? uh no we had to let it go we had to let it go uh-huh. they're endangered so oh okay what's the it's... best fish you ever caught that you guys actually got to eat Ooh, um best or biggest the best okay um i would say we caught like this this like snapper down in the Cayman Islands. I think it was called a mullet snapper. That thing tasted fantastic. And the fight lasted for like an hour and a half. I mean it was it was cool. I never that was cool fishing. Fish. It's fishing actually fun. Dude, it's so fun. Yo, whenever you come down to South Carolina, we're going fishing. Heard if I ever come down, bro, I'm gonna make sure I hit you up. Be like, yo, John. <laughs> heard, bro, heard that. So, who are your favorite music artists you like listening to to get you ready before a big tournament or a match? Um, huh. music gets the the juices flowing. Yeah, you know that's a good question. Um, I mean, you can never go wrong with some old Kanye. Oh yes. You know, like if I'm trying to get hyped, the go-to song is "All the Lights." Oh um, yes, I love that song. That's forever a classic. Um, that's, that's definitely my go-to. Um, but like, if I'm just trying to vibe out and like cool myself off before a tournament, definitely some like, some goodbye and good riddance from Juice. Like, that album, throw that out in the, uh, in the, in the AirPods and just sit there and mellow out. That's what's up, man. What about, what about, name your top five music artists of all time. It doesn't have to be in order. Ooh, that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I get that response every time I ask them, as people. Ooh, top five. Okay, it's hard. Top five. Anything is hard. It is. It is. It really is. Um. Okay. So, number one, Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Number two. Number two, probably Juice for me. Number three. Damn, this is really hard. I got, I got <laughs> um, him here. I got him. You did get me. This is a gotcha question. Uh, 
Number three. Oh, Diddy. Diddy. Love Diddy. Oh, I like that. Number three is Diddy. He's a genius. Bro, that's what I tell people. Man is just a lyrical wizard, bro. For real, for real. Uh, I feel like four. his rapping, like his music career, doesn't get the credit it does. No, not at all. Like, it is, uh, and it's because he changes his name so much. I think. I think that's literally part of it. And I feel like because like he made Biggie big, and then he made a lot of other artists big. That yeah, bro. That he was one of the best. Yeah, bro. Hundred percent. I feel like the same with Dr. Dre. People forget he was on the. Oh, the dude, Dre was phenomenal. Yeah, the chronic. Because they billionaires the now. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's Jay Z, bro. Man. So you got Bruce Springsteen, got Juice, got Diddy. Who's your last two? Uh, four probably Eminem. Yep, I respect that. Yep, Eminem's one of the greatest ever. No debate. And then five, five. This yeah, you is... got you got a lot. <laughs> This is this is tough because like five could be pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um. Uh, Frank Sinatra. Oh, respect. I like that. You got you got a nice little mixture there. Generations. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I listen to all kinds of music. I, I don't discriminate. Yeah, bro. I could listen to a lot of music. It's just country. I just can't. <laughs> I could do country, but in like small amounts. Like, my, my girlfriend likes country, bro. I, I I tell her to turn it off. She don't really listen to it because I don't like it. <laughs> she, she's not a big country person. Once in a while, she, she like mostly likes hip hop, like me. I like hip hop, R and B. I like pop. I love pop music too. I love soul soul music. I like soul good soul music. Like this country, I just can't do it. All right, now I got a question for you. Yeah. Best song from the early two thousands. Ooh, I can't. Yo, nah, I don't know. I don't, yo, that's tough. I, bro, I have the whole 2000s playlist. I know you I, do. I, that's I, why I'm saying. <laughs> yo, oh, man. There's so many great artists that had so many great songs. Bro, the 2000s were amazing. 2000s was the golden era of music. That in the 80s. Yeah. I, I would say from like the 80s to 2000s. Like that, Oh, that, everything was just yeah. good. TV shows were good. Sports were good. Music was good. Life was good. Simpler. Yeah, and then we came along and fucked it all up. Fucking technology. <laughs> Damn, one best song, man. Oh, there was a lot of bangers in the 2000s. And I might have to look at... I might have to refresh. See, I got you with the real gotcha question. Man. What do you say is the best song? I mean, I I think it's either "Runaway" by Kanye or "All in the Way." I like that. That's it for me. Like, can't. Um, man, I was trying to search it, but it kind of it cut off a little bit, so I didn't want to mess it up. So I can't even look. Damn it! Damn, two thousands. You had man. You had Jay Z. You had Drake. You had Kanye. You had Lil Wayne. Sean Kingston. Sean Kingston. Lady Gaga. Man. Katy Perry. Katy Perry, too. Oh, my goodness. This is hard. Oh, bro, you had Bowling for Soup. Oh, yeah. Bro, I'm trying to think. Bro, there's too many that are going through my mind right now. 
Yo, I might. Yo, I love the Black Eyed Peas. Yo, uh, what's it called? Um, Ooh. Um, it's going to be a good night. I forgot. What yeah, was. I yeah. got a feeling. Yeah, I got a feeling. That, that's up there for me, bro. That was a, bro, That that's one of the biggest. Dude, that was a banger. That, that was, was a banger. Top five, no debate. Top five, no debate. That was a banger, bro. Yeah, right. I'll probably say that song. They had right. a lot of hit songs in two thousands. Alright, I'm with it. I'm with it. I can rock bro, with that. That song that, when you were at a party when they played that song, that just made you want to enjoy oh, life. Oh bro. Good. Or like Mr. Brightside too kind of has that effect. Yeah. With people. Like, Shit. I, that song just made me feel good about life. Like you just and when, oh, whenever I heard Poker Face too, I always thought of Percy Jackson Lightning Thief. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's when up. I. Yeah. Or yo, we even forgot about Wiz Khalifa, bro. Oh yeah, bro. I roll up, bro. <laughs> I roll up. Work bro. hard, play hard. Yep. I know this wasn't two thousands; it was twenty tens. But black and yellow. Yep, black my, and yellow. That was my joint, man. That was my thing. Yo, big time. On that my album, in fifth grade, used to always sing that black and yellow. Yo, we used to go at each other like, yo, yo, yeah, uh huh. You know what it is? <laughs> Everything I do, y'all, I do it big, bro. And because I remember I was listening to all the smoke with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. He said, he "Yeah, made that song because the car he got." I was like, respect, <laughs> dude. Nah, but my song from that album was No Sleep. Like that song, no, I gotta listen to that. I haven't heard that song in a long time, dude. That song gets me going because, like, that's like that's kind of like what the parties I threw were like was like that song, so like that brings me back. So I'm like, all right, I like this, yeah, man. I, yo, I love music just as much as I love sports, man. I, I feel you, music speaks to the soul. Like I'm just I'm just a guy who loves entertainment. I love movies. I love music. I love sports. I don't know how you can't. Exactly. You're a golfer. So I gotta ask you this question: Who are your top five golfers of all time? Ah, this is this got is, him again. <laughs> nah, it's pretty easy. This is pretty oh, easy. easy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's whole. Order or are you just gonna name five? What's that? Are you gonna do it in order? Or are you just gonna name five? No, no. I'm gonna do it in order. Okay. Number one, Max Homa. Number two, Rory McIlroy. Uh, number three, Tiger. Mm. Or no, no, no. Actually, no. Number three, Phil. I like Phil better than Tiger. Mm. Number four, Tiger. A lot of people are going to hate me for that, by the way. Yeah. Um, Just the two golfers out there. Yeah. And number five, Dustin Johnson. Easy. So you basically just answered my next question. Like, well, who's your golfing goat? <laughs> Wait, what's that? You basically just answered my next question. Who's your golfing goat? Oh, uh, no, because my golfing goat's definitely Tiger. Tiger? Yeah, I mean. So I was like, wait, he has Tiger at four? Well, I thought he said he's the goat. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, oh, wait, did you say best golfers or favorite golfers? The best, like your top five all time. Oh shit, yo! I'm sorry. I answered my favorite golfers. That's not <laughs> <laughs> yo, nah, good, man. You're I was good. like, wait, 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 wait. That changes things. All right. So five best golfers. Okay, okay. Hold yeah. up. Okay, so first Tiger. Uh, number two Ben Hogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three. Mm, probably Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. 
Number four, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, I was about to say, you got to have that name in there. Yeah. And then that last spot. Holy guess people. Well, it's tough because there's like so many guys you could put in it. Yeah. It's like it's like with basketball and football, like there's so many greats. Basically. You know what? This is gonna be a really hot take because he's still really young. But number five is Colin Morikawa. How old is he? Twenty-five. You got a long way to go. He's got more wins than Tiger did at that point. That's crazy. Damn. So he has many more years ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's good. Yeah. So maybe Tiger might have to watch out for that goat status. I mean, I don't know about that. Just because, no? like, the talent on the tour nowadays, like, I, I it's don't not think... good. Well, so I think, the I think now is like harder. Right, that's what I mean. Like, there's too many guys that are just that good now, whereas when Tiger first started, like, he was so much better than everybody else. He, I feel like he inspired everybody to be, like, great at golf. I feel like that's why there's so much more talent now. Well, right, and that's what happened. So The Tiger effect. Exactly. Everybody else caught up. Because, like, if you look at it, like, early on in his career, Tiger would win, like, 12 events a year, bro. Like, that's unheard of. stupid what he was doing. Yeah. And then, like, three, four years later, everybody else started practicing like Tiger and training like Tiger. All of a sudden, he wasn't winning as much. Like, it slowed down dramatically. So, yeah. And, like, then up until 2013, I think from, like, 2007 to 2013, Tiger didn't even win a major. So, I mean, it, you know, it changed. You know, dramatically. So, but yeah, top that, five current NBA players. Top five current NBA players. Okay. Then we'll get into all time stuff. Oh, oh, okay. Um. All right, I gotta ask: Are we going like based on career, or? Oh no, nah, you can just name top five current today. Like, who are your? If you're doing today, your five best players. Oh, like if I could build a squad with five guys in the NBA today, like who would they be? It, it could be yeah. Just name your five. Right. It doesn't even have to be by position. No position needed. All right, uh, Giannis, Steph. This is, is this in order? No, 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 no. I. Dude, you couldn't tell me to pick an order on this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're so. Bro, I ain't gonna lie. Number one, when I ask who's the best player in the world, I'm like, oh man, it's either between Giannis or KD to me at this point. I can't choose. I mean, I'm a Nets fan, bro. I have been KD. since the Jason Kidd days. So yeah. I'm like a real Nets fan. I stuck it out through all those fucking losing seasons. <laughs> the Devin Harris years. <laughs> Yeah, the nine and like seventy two season that we had. Oh my um, god! I went to an NBA game that year. <laughs> they were some Bobcats. It was abominable. <laughs> oh, dude, I couldn't imagine. Um, so yeah, but so Giannis, Steph, Harden, Katie. People are going to kill me for leaving him off. You're going to um, off. I, I'm going to, though. Oh, I'm going to get you after you say you're fit. <laughs> and then I put Jokic. 
I'm about to say, bro, how you have Harden? I'm sorry, Harden's not top five now. He's not. He's I don't know, off, dude. He's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. LeBron is putting up better numbers than Harden. LeBron's almost near forty, bro. He's old man doing. My I top five. Listen, listen. Five have except LeBron for Harden. Listen, listen. I. That's my list. That's my list. Harden, Harden, <laughs> Harden, bro. We ain't talking about Houston Harden. We're talking about not even last year's Harden. He's playing like garbage this year. Hey man, he's got to lose a little weight. Once yeah, he loses that weight, he'll be shape. fine. He'll be fine. What about your five greatest of all time? This okay, time. okay. Now we're going based on career. So, number one, Kobe. Mm-hmm. Number two, LeBron. Respect. The two three. best players of the 21st century, no doubt. Yeah. And listen, a part of it is I've seen them play. I want to yeah. make that clear. I didn't see Jordan play, okay? Yeah, like, it's hard for me to put a guy, number one, who I wasn't even around for. Like, yeah. you know, so number three for me is Jordan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, four is Kareem. And then five, Larry Bird. Oh, you love magic out. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's tough. Part of it for me was his career was too short. I mean, their careers around the same, same. Their Magic played what thirteen seasons? Well, he played half that last season in ninety five, ninety six. Yeah. Well, he played twelve full seasons. Library played thirteen seasons. His back messed him up. I mean, I guess I look at it too from this standpoint, like. The Lakers were just so loaded, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. They were so I mean, the Celtics were pretty low. You know, they had Dennis Johnson, Robert Parrish, and Kevin McHale, all Hall of Famers. No, listen, Walker I later. get it. But, like, there's a difference between being a Hall of Famer and being, like, on the Mount Rushmore basketball. Like That's true. Him and Kareem were on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, different. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, like, like, there's greatness, but there's levels to greatness. Yeah, exactly. Like they always say in the media, there's all there's levels to oh, this. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Let me take off uh Larry Bird. Isaiah Thomas. You find Isaiah Thomas for like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but respect to Isaiah though. He was a beast. Dude, Isaiah. He he made a great point the other day. He said, Y'all always put our team down, but we beat all the teams that y'all put up. Like He's not wrong. They used to beat the shit out of everybody, bro. I don't care. And I love the way they play basketball. I don't care what anybody says. Bad boys. I I love that. that. What about your NBA all-time starting five? So this is my position now. Okay, okay. My position. All right. Um, Running the point would be Isaiah. Yeah, about to say, look, magic out better be. No, it, it it it'd be Isaiah. Shooting guard would be Kobe. Mm-hmm. What does KD classify as? Small forward. He is a small forward. Okay, yeah. So KD at the small forward then. Um. Power forward, Carl the mailman Malone. Ooh, over to Duncan. 
and Kevin Garnett. Ooh, spicy. I mean, I have Carmelo over Kevin Garnett all time, but not over Tim Duncan. Malone's the most efficient player of all time, so I'll take him. Oh, yeah. He was strong as hell, too. Oh, yeah. And then, obviously, Kareem at center. There's no other answer for that. Yeah. Kareem is undisputedly my number one center of all time. My all-time starting five, Magic, Jordan, LeBron, Duncan, and Kareem. I'd like to see our starting fives play each other. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> Just seeing their primes? Oh, I know. Like, oh, that yes. would be fun. Like that. See, and I think you have to include KD, and I only say this over LeBron because, like, if I was playing in a game, bro, like, LeBron's going to dominate the ball too much, and it's going to butt heads with everybody because they're all guys that dominate the ball. So, like, Isaiah doesn't dominate the ball that way. And KD is just a sniper. Like, he's a silent assassin, so I'd want him. Like, just... I, mean, I get your point, but LeBron in Miami proved he could play off the ball. Like, he didn't dominate as much. Only reason he does that, because I love Kyrie, but Kyrie can't really make others better like that. Like, when he nah, was in Miami, true. he had Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's a great playmaker. He's He knew how to make others that's better. Right. That's why I feel like he didn't dominate as much in Miami. And then, D-Wade, top three shooting guard of all time. Miami. Oh, hell yeah. What? Top three. And D-Wade's Dwayne is definitely third best shooting guard of all time. I when I was younger, and as I learned more history, I used to think D Wade or Iverson for third. But then I was like, nah, D Wade, man. He got the rings. He was better defensively than Iverson. He was more yep. efficient. Like yep. I gave reasons to back it up. My friend tried to argue to me in high school one time, D Wade, Iverson over D Wade. I was, and I gave him reasons, and then he was like, damn, bro, you just persuaded me to switch. <laughs> yeah, and then like people always bring up that argument with me. They're always like. Yeah, but what if AI was 6'2"? And I'm like, yeah, but he wasn't. So what does that mean? Like, that doesn't matter. Like, bro, D-Wade wasn't that big either. He was only 6'4". Yeah. And he couldn't shoot. D-Wade was not that big. He wasn't big as Jordan. And he couldn't shoot from the three. Like, he was the DeMar DeRozan before DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, but better and with better defense. Yeah, exactly. And what's it called? And then Aaron Iverson, yes, I know he led that team to the finals, but that team, you know, D-Wade in 06, man. That's like goat type stuff. That was the bet. Goat. That was the best playoff performance I'd ever seen. That's like, unlike he he look he averaged near thirty five a game. It was thirty four point seven to be exact. Yeah. Crazy. That's when everybody was saying like, "Yo, this guy might be the next Jordan." Yeah, exactly. Like the only players in the two thousand that were really compared to Jordan. We're like Vince Carter, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron. Yep. You know, and, and T-Mac a little bit because his scoring ability and athleticism was insane. Yeah, facts. My Well, I'm just going to say my five greatest NBA players of all time are like Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Magic, and Kareem. That's my five. Like, I got no problem with that list either. I mean, listen, it gets to a point where you're just that good and like you're interchangeable with like literally anybody. Yeah. Like, it, and as history goes on with all sports, it's going to be more greats to come. It's going to get harder. To exactly. Exactly. And we all know who your NBA goat is. That's Kobe Bryant, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God, God rest his old mom, but your legacy will forever, live forever, man. Baba mentality, fam. So as we close this episode out, my last question I want to ask you is, after all of you been through in life, when people think of the name Jonathan Schickler, that's your last name, right? Schickler? Yes, sir. And your story, what do you want them to think and take away from your story? Um, it's, it's okay to mess up. Like, you don't have to be perfect. 
you know, everybody does get a second chance, whether you realize it or not. It's not whether people deserve one or not. You do get a second chance. I've gotten like 20 chances. Okay. So I, I know that that's true. Yeah. Um, and just be happy. I mean, seriously, like, and if you're not happy, take five minutes out of your day, take two minutes, take 20 seconds, go make somebody else happy. Like, seriously, the best thing you can do each and every day, make somebody smile. I know it sounds cliche. I know it sounds like something like your dad tells you or your grandfather tells you, but there's a reason they tell you that, you know, making other people happy will make you happier as a person, you know, whatever you're doing, do it to the fullest degree. Moderations for cowards. Yep. You know, words there. That's that's basically what I would have to say. So, wise words there from the great Jonathan Schickler. Hey, I appreciate you, fam. Me too, man. I man, this was a this was well, this was a long time coming. Finally, I I know it's a bad. We've been planning this for what three months, four months. Yeah, (laughs) I'll say like two, three months, and then we finally finally our schedules aligned. I'm not as busy with school because I'm on break right now, and then you're kind of. You're sick, so you're chilling in your room. Yeah, I'm really not busy with golf at all. So, yeah. So, man, this was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Yes, sir. Out all your life story, the motivation for the people that are going to listen to this, and I was honored to have you on. It was an honor to be on, fam, and uh, I'm proud of all that you're doing. It's crazy seeing NBA goats watching your story, like Scotty and Reggie. Yeah, that like, was insane when they saw it, man. Dude, when Scotty saw it, I almost lost my shit. I was like, no, hey. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, man, it was it was a pleasure hearing your story. And I'm glad you're clean. I'm glad you're healthy. Your family, Thank you guys you, are good. And, Thank you, sir. And I wish you uh, you and family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, man. Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys as well, all right? And a Happy New Year, too. And all I'll the blessings, fam. You too, man. And then when this episode drops, make sure you shout out to all your homies, your family. All your socials you posted on. Gonna yes, sir. Try to get people to listen to this, man. Yes, sir. All right, man. Have a great rest of your night, man. It was a pleasure talking to you, brother. Hey, pleasure talking, DJ. Take care. You too. Peace.